1: Everyone, and welcome back to the Waning Moon podcast episode two we've made it this far guys this is um probably a world record of my persistence (laughs) which is episode two today i've got a special guest with me she's a very very dear friend of mine and she has an incredible story to tell and i welcome ilham cue claps (laughs) um I really was eager to get Ilham onto the podcast because we actually were dreaming of this podcast in a Hamam visit about a year and a half ago. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, we were like, we should start a podcast and it should be called, I can't even remember what we named it, but it was pretty deep. (laughs) (laughs)
2: you had some wild ideas
1: yeah so um I can't believe actually we were just saying we can't believe it's happening you made it happen this is exciting 2021 I'm gonna ask the guests that we have on this show to take three learnings of life and share it with you guys so that they can help you guys maybe uh to seeing it a little bit sooner so um, with Ilham, I'm sure you won't mind me saying, Ilham, you've had quite the life in your 30
2: years. Quite the life. That's definitely <laughs> the first description. Yes.
1: And when I found out about it, I couldn't even believe it initially because we met uh, in Selfridges. Ilham was on the Garland counter and I was across <laughs> at the scary Illamasqua. Yes. Both hating life <laughs> massively and... Trying to get out. Yep. So we would, um, that's when we met and it's really wild. And uh, we worked together after that. But first of all, she's my, well, one of my bestest friends. But when I first met you, you were so gentle and like quiet and kind of more reserved. So when I found out about the things that you'd gone through in life, I was, I couldn't believe it. Yeah. (laughs) I really couldn't believe it. So you're Moroccan, obviously, um, and
2: you have lived in a few different countries, haven't you? <laughs> I have. So I'm born half Moroccan, half Spanish. My mom is Spanish. My dad is Moroccan. Hola. But, hola, hola señorita. <laughs> so I've lived the majority of my life in Morocco up until I was 17. So technically I am Moroccan, deep down, deep down. And, yeah, I studied in Morocco, grew up there, and then only moved here when I was 17. Yeah. And where did you live in between? <laughs> in between, there was a mixture of Holland, there was Belgium, there was different parts of Morocco, and then the UK. Germany, very short very short time, but Germany as well. Yeah, so I've been around. Yeah, around yeah. <laughs> um,
1: and you were not moving because you were exploring,
2: were you? No, I wish I was Dora the Explorer, just like <laughs> yourself, but I'm not. Not many people know this about me, but obviously as my best friend, you know the whole story. Um, we moved... I think in Moroccan culture, in our cultures, it's quite common for the mum to flee the home um, due to the domestic violence. So it was our case multiple times over the years. My dad was quite violent towards my mum, towards myself, towards my, my sister at the time. Um, it would get really bad. My mum would flee, take us to whatever country was on the light on the horizon. Horizon. <laughs> yeah. I would flee to my grandma's house in a different city in Morocco for a short time then we'd go back and then the process will go back and forth back and forth over the years and then the last I would say the last one was back in 2000 2001 was the last time so we came to London for the millionth time for maybe about six months and then we went back as they got back together. But that was the final one in terms of us all together, myself, my mum and my younger sister. Again, many people don't know I have a younger sister because she's no longer with us. Um, But I think, yeah, that was the last trip, I guess, um, with her. Yeah. (laughs) And how old were you then? So I I was 10 at the time. She was eight um, and that's when things get horribly wrong. They were were terribly wrong Mm -hmm. (laughs) since the beginning and then they get really, really bad. So we were on holiday at my grandma's house in in the north of Morocco um, in a really small town um, where my mum was born. Um, And on our last day of holiday... Me being me always sick. So I'm always the sick child. So I was um, in bed sleeping. My younger sister, who was eight at the time, along with, along with my eldest sister, downstairs, um, anyone that's been to Morocco, or been to Turkey, outside of the world, we always play outside. There's people outside in the summer, people that come from abroad. So it's all that um, community feel. So Everyone saying goodbye before the end of the holiday. But it went horribly wrong when this man, a really sick man, just attacked her. He tried to grab her to take her away with him, but she was fighting for herself and he just took a knife and stabbed her in the in the chest. Well I say the chest in, in her back, but it, it yeah. went through her lungs. And yeah, she she didn't make it. She had um maybe about five, ten minutes there. And again, if anyone knows Morocco and knows right. outside of the world, healthcare is not something that's quite a strong point. So having an ambulance, having medical assistance available, there's no nine nine nine. There's no, there's no one to help you. So unfortunately she was she passed away in my mom's arms um and being so young at the time and witnessing everything and seeing her like that it was it stayed with me for for years absolutely years um it's not easy um it's not something you get over but it's something that makes you i guess stronger it made me realize that life is so short little things don't matter it's just you just need to see the better in everything. The best in everything. That that was the beginning, I guess, of my adulthood. So I I feel I think I became an adult when I was ten. Cuz my mom was crushed, I say. She she's she's not on this planet. Yeah. My youngest my younger brother um was one at the time. So I became my mom to a one-year-old yeah. at ten, So looking after him. Um, that's how my journey of being an adult started <laughs> yeah god yeah and your mom
1: unimaginable <laughs> unimaginable pain mm. I know um when we when you first became a mother mm. you started having flashbacks and yeah. I think it became more ingrained in you because whether you realize it or not you probably didn't come face to face with the pain until you were a mother because then you could understand
2: what that must have meant yeah yeah the the loss that is always threatening everyone yeah so I during my labor which was very long very very long (laughs) thank you Omari I remember I was very, very drugged up. I had loads of injections, all the painkillers. So I was pretty, I would say, high, <laughs> not in the best way. And there was somebody shouting outside in the hospital car park. And it was just someone that's collapsed. So nothing, I wouldn't say laughing threatening, but all I could hear was my mum shouting for help when my sister was dying. And I couldn't get out of it. I was I was asking my midwife to go and get her. I was like, he's going to kill her. She's going to die. She's going to die. And my midwife was like, no, 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 it's okay. We've got help. Someone's going there. And that's it. it. It ended there. I never thought about it until, I think Omari was two months. And then I started dreaming about it. And then I started dreaming it was Omari dying and that's when i realized i haven't dealt with it mm. for 20 years or 19 years that's when it came back to me mm. that's when i got to taste that the fear of losing your own child so i got to understand how my mom feels yeah not any mother that's lost their child it's is the worst pain in the world
1: Sometimes we do feel resentment with our parents because we wish that they were better parents to us. We wish that they could have been stronger. We wish that they could have been. And, you know, I think we've discussed this so much. We just wish that they could have been more in control of their destiny. And their feelings. And their feelings. Yes. And there were probably times in your life, a long long periods of time, that there were time in mine where you would blame your mum for the situations that you were in. Yes. And I think that kind of creates, like it or not, it creates some sort of, like, divide. I always see my mum, me and my mum's relationship, I think it's now more mum, mother, mother and daughter, but I think for a long time it was sisters. yes. And I think you probably can really resonate with that yeah. Um, because they couldn't be a mother at the time of their trauma. Mm. And now you, I guess that gives you some understanding of it, of why she did certain things.
2: I 100% believe that, 100%. But it's still a divided understanding. Yeah. Uh, And we've discussed it multiple times during our multiple (laughs) endless walks to get those children to sleep. Um, As mothers, as a mother right now, I would do anything and everything for Omari to save him pain, to give him a better quality of life, to save him from fear, from pain, from anything, and to make sure he has the best future. If that means I have to work 10 times harder, absolutely, I will do that. Yeah. But at the same time, I understand how vulnerable my mum was, how helpless she was, how many opportunities she didn't have in life. So it is a divided understanding. I strongly feel that as mothers, we have the power to change anything for our children. Absolutely.
1: And I guess those attempts of fleeing and then going back, Mm. I can't imagine that situation because I I can only... I can only if that was me I know that my heart would have been broken all over again every single time we had to go back to that home yes knowing that nothing was going
2: to change nothing's going to change it will start from the beginning and end up at the same end of extreme violence extreme extreme fear and and there was only not only physical um violence there was bullying and one thing that's stayed with me I think and I've only come to realize it recently is I'm a very quiet person I'm very shy I'm very quiet very reserved and it was once mentioned to me I'm a quiet person although I knew it but it made me think why am I so quiet it's not that I don't have anything to say or don't have opinions I want to share But I've spent so long trying to listen better as a child. My dad used to, from fear, I used to not be able to understand what he said to me. Things as simple as, can you open the door? But from fear of getting it wrong, I wouldn't, the message would not get to my ears. And I would ask him, again, what it was that he said to me, and that would end up in a slap or a kick or something being thrown at you. So that fear of getting it wrong almost ingrained in me that, okay, you need to talk less, you need to listen more, you need to make sure that you understand what's needed from you to avoid you getting hurt. Mm. Although it would be a traumatic way of learning something like that, Mm. but I think it made me a better listener to my friends. I feel like I've met people in throughout my life, whether at work or the family or friends. They'll come to me if they want to vent. Yeah, they'll come to me if they want to talk about something. I think I'm quite a good listener. Yeah, you I are think. definitely <laughs> <laughs> not great at talking, but I can listen. Um, and it's a quality I'd like to keep. It's not yeah. there's nothing wrong in being quiet. It's not a flaw. It's not a weakness. It just makes me a better listener. I just had to learn at the way.
1: yeah well I think that do you know what you hear the phrase paralyzed by fear
2: yes and I think
1: that is so it's true true for this because you were actually paralyzed Paralyzed. where you couldn't yes I totally um, agree that it's not a bad thing to be a quiet person you don't have to be the loudest voice in the room if that's what makes you you that's that is me. important. yeah. <laughs> but also I think um, you probably didn't have that many sounding boards growing up. So you moving from place to place to place, you know, you had your friends in Morocco, but then you were always moving and there wasn't much stability. So perhaps you didn't actually get the opportunity to talk. There's so much to you. You don't value your own opinion because you're like oh I don't know if this person's going to take it the wrong way or Mm. but it might be because um
2: you never really got the opportunity at friendships growing up I don't I didn't for sure I don't have friendships so I've never built friendships since I think my earliest friendship was when I was 17 Mm. and that was short-lived because I had to leave back home yeah. So technically my my friendships are with you, Erica. I've got yeah. wonderful people in my life who are true friends. I consider, consider you as my sisters. Um so yes, I've finally <laughs> been able to build real friendships. Um yeah. but yeah, as you said, I've never had the opportunity to build that or even listening to people oh we've been to primary school together and yeah. we went to college together and then we went to uni together never had the continuity of having that one person or that one friend or group of friends grow with you
1: yeah
2: we've never lived in the same place more than a year we've never been to a school for more than a year so yeah you're absolutely right you never had the chance didn't I? Yeah, no. (laughs) But I'm grateful. When I got the chance, I met the most wonderful people in my life. They've changed my life. They taught me so much about myself. They helped me grow. They helped me discover who I really am instead of just hiding. So I'm grateful for that. If that's what I had to wait for, then I'll take that. That must have been so uh, isolating.
1: I actually was listening to... um, Oprah's book today, um, what I know for sure. And she was talking about um, somebody that had uh, come on her show and they did an exercise. And when I did this exercise, I was like, oh my God, this is crazy. So I thought we'd do it together. Okay. Uh, Online. i Oh dear. Um, so, you, and you guys can do it like listening to this because I think it really faces it really makes you kind of look in so deeply um and hopefully it will support healing so if you close your eyes Mm
2: -hmm.
1: and I want you to think back to your childhood home and you're looking at your childhood home from the outside Mm -hmm. then you move a little bit closer you look through the window and you see yourself in there Mm
2: -hmm.
1: what is that little girl
2: feeling oh my god I'm getting emotional <laughs> <laughs> the, the plan was got to yeah. cry I see um, I had a wee- big, really big window in my room and it had these metal poles so you can't escape from that room and I would sit on is it windowsill we what yeah. you call it and the city where I live was very hot so I would make like a little bend like a, like a little bed in that windowsill And I would sit and read for hours and hours and hours. So I would either read books because I could live through my imagination. I would journal. Oh, no. I've been journaling since I was maybe about 11 or 12. Mm. And I've recently come across my journals. And it's quite eye-opening yeah that's what I see I Um, see myself juggling in that windowsill and if you could
1: go and speak to that little girl what Mm. would you tell her
2: I'll tell her that it's going to be absolutely okay that you are smart you are powerful that you are very determined and you will make it out (laughs) as hard as it seems at the moment but you did I did make it out (laughs) alive and in one piece and it made me stronger, it made me who I am I might come across as maybe detached to some people, maybe a little bit less accessible to some people but it takes a while to build that confidence to be who you are and it took me 30 years to get here. Yeah. But I am finally, I'm confident with who I am. I'm comfortable with who I am. I'm comfortable with being the quieter one in the group because yeah. I'll be the one watching out for everybody. Exactly. So, um. But yeah, life's a journey. And wherever you are in that journey, you have to trust the process. I know it seems easier said than done but trust me trust me trust me it's part of the process and you will make it out whether it's a violent relationship if it's poverty if it's sickness if it's anything that's stopping you from living that life you will make it out if you put in the work you you will take yourself out of it Mm -hmm. I 100% believe that Yeah, absolutely. And I guess you don't notice
1: how far you've come until you look back. 100%. And we don't look back. We just look forward because we're like, okay, now I need to do this, now I need to do that. And sometimes... You know it's so easy to compare and blame out of that you have built healthy relationships mm-hmm. you have you're an amazing mother can I just say thank that. you <laughs> Ilham is the most like put together mother Ooh, ever um, ever since the beginning of time I mean well <laughs> Every time we would meet up, I'd either forget Ari's napping or I'd forget her baby milk. Everyone would be like, I've got that. I've got that. Don't worry. I've got a spare
2: one here. i am like, what is in your... When did you pack this? Well, I... <laughs> I've been waiting to be a mum since I was 21. So I've had nine years, <laughs> eight years to prepare for that. Perfect. And nowhere near it. Absolutely not. But I think it's just... I think you need to give yourself credit, okay? Okay, I will. I think I will. Ari would have
1: starved on a few days if <laughs> it wasn't wouldn't. for you. And she would definitely have definitely had some pure
2: explosion she'd have to sit in for a few hours. <laughs> well, time has gone round and save and Ariana saved Omari from a pure explosion one, so. Just once. Just
1: once. It wasn't a poo,
2: it was the orange
1: juice. Or
2: the chocolate <laughs> or orange. Juice the shower. But, yeah, oh.
1: and then Omari had to uh, go home with a lovely a pink...
2: pink Oh, it was, was like too small for him. <laughs> it was a tank top on him. <laughs> oh, It was monumental. We've got proof of that. Yeah. So when they're older, we can remind them.
1: Yeah, I mean, that prices. would be amazing. Um, I think that like, you have to give yourself credit. When Omari learns of these one day, of what you've been through, how hard you worked to get here, mm. all of the things that you've done for him, he's going to be out he's gonna be so proud of you because I hope so he couldn't have imagined like you can't imagine it until you live it yes so I think you know you do need to give yourself credit for that
2: thank you (laughs) I'm learning to do yeah good you should thank you um
1: yeah because it's not been an uh, an easy journey for you Mm -hmm. I mean I think that it you do it all single-handedly. I, I've got the support of my family, mm-hmm. and you don't have that readily available to you. You never have. and You still work, and you and your partner are tag team in this tag life. Tag team
2: for the win. Not only are
1: you working, <coughs> but you're both studying. You know, yes. you're both building this for Amari. Amari, oh, yes. So you know it's not an easy feat okay i can't look i can't do one of the things <laughs> to perfection let alone
2: all of the things you definitely can for sure so like, it is not easy 100% no. but the cause makes you want to go and do it yeah. so we are doing this for him and i'm doing it for myself as well if i'm not happy if i'm not accomplished if i don't feel worthy of myself how am I going to teach Omari to be that way? How am I going to teach him to feel like he's good enough for something? Yeah. He's capable of doing something. So I have to learn to do that myself, yeah. and teach it to myself so I can show it to Omari, not just teach him. He has to see it through me. Yeah. And I think that's the hardest job of a parent is to be the role model, but truly be the role model, not just tell them, yeah. you have to be a doctor, you have to be an engineer, inspire them to be that person yeah and I think it's the most priceless lesson you can teach your children yeah absolutely mm-hmm. I think as mothers we always
1: want to put everybody before us but yes. if you do if you don't fill yourself up how can you, you can help anybody from an empty or, cup, no, can you? you cannot you cannot that has been a the hardest lesson I think that's such a big lesson you learn when you become a mother because mm-hmm. Everything is stripped from you and this life literally depends on you. So you get conditioned to only put in their needs before yours. And we often forget ourselves.
2: And that's what we are taught as well. We are taught to just dedicate ourselves to that child, which we are. But you can't forget yourself. No. You have to look after yourself. Absolutely. And
1: I do make a conscious effort now to just do something for myself every single day. If, even if it's for 10 minutes, I just want to sit by myself.
2: That's amazing. When,
1: mm-hmm. And just do one thing for me. Yes. I mean, not every day we get to go out for a walk by ourselves. But that's okay. That's okay. We can have a snuggle today. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I, I couldn't agree more with that. But that feeling of worthiness as well is something that you learn. Mm-hmm over time definitely and you can only learn it through kind of going through and and I guess that you only learn it through challenging yourself because I remember when you were you'd worked on when we
2: first met how long had you worked on beauty counters for um at the time it was five years we met in 2014 I don't know, I think. I'm not very good with dates, yeah. but yeah. Something like
1: yeah. that, so fifty. Yeah, but you've been on beauty counters for a for while. For a long time. Yeah. And then the job of, uh, manager job came up and you were like, oh, I don't know if I could do it. And I was like, dude, are you crazy? <laughs> <laughs> you've basically been doing it for all this time. You're like, yeah, I don't know if I'm going to be good you at it. You believed in me. But th- that's the thing. Like
2: the thing is, if somebody doesn't actually sometimes push you to do it, it's really difficult yes. to. For me to think. Stay- I can do this. Yeah, the best opportunity you've ever given me in my life. Because I mean, I didn't give it to you. You earned that. Okay. Or helped. She kind of did. Helped you. (laughs) She opened up the road to me, and I thought, okay, this person believed in me. I can't let her down, (laughs) and I had to get it out, whatever it was hidden from. But Um, you were so successful, and then you moved on to more successful things. More successful things. yeah, and I'm really, really grateful I took the leap. You have actually accomplished
1: everything you everything that you've put your mind to and you don't even notice that you've done that. You wanted a, a specific job and yes. a specific organization, which we won't name one here. Yes. But you did it. Like you I actually did. did it and you I remember sitting with you on one of our walks and you were like, oh, I don't know if they're going to give me the opportunity. I just wish that someone would just give me the opportunity. Someone just notice me. Yeah, and actually <laughs> they almost didn't notice you and yes. you called them and you were like, hello, it's me. It's me. Your words are so powerful and you learn about this so much, but your words are so powerful and you have achieved you. everything that you have set your mind to so far and I have absolutely no doubt that you will achieve. This is just the beginning. Up. Exactly.
2: Exactly. I was it upwards and forwards, forward and upwards? Uh, up, onwards like that. and upwards. Yeah. <laughs> Somewhere Sorry, up. guys. We're going higher, people. <laughs> <laughs> I am still a foreigner. <laughs> it's so... <laughs> right. Hey,
1: you know more languages than me. I just know the the two and a half. <laughs> Thanks for sharing all your words of wisdom. Oh, we are actually you. in time. Oh, I can't my... believe it. I thought this was going to run over, but uh, no, we are in time, <laughs> we people. Made it. We made it. Well, thank you for having me. <laughs>
2: Come back soon. I <laughs> <laughs> can't wait to have a real chats yeah not, exactly not a socially distance one yeah a remote
1: one mother. so <laughs> right uh boris we're in the rules <laughs> we're following the rules we are following the rules um but i'm on breaking points so i'm not making any promises if you see me in your local prison make sure you <laughs> send me some letters because i took uh, I, me and ari uh will be going into the nearest play um
2: soft play anyway honestly open up everything
1: please Please. (laughs) um thanks everyone for listening I know that this was an inspirational chat for you all um I will link um Ilham's Instagram on my Raining Moon podcast Instagram if you want to send her a message or you know if you wanted to get in contact with her and I'll see you on the next one bye (laughs)